Off the ball. With 10-year-old Amber playing football back in Donegal, believe this moment. No, because she'd probably still be doing the community games. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. What a week, folks. What a week it has been. We hope you're doing all right around the country. We're going to the World Cup. The Republic of Ireland women's team made history on Tuesday by qualifying for major tournament finals for the first time ever. We will celebrate that achievement, speak about the journey and how women's football can be supported to capitalise now on this moment with Emma Byrne and Olivia O'Toole, Ireland's most capped player and Ireland's record goal scorer coming up on the Saturday panel from half one. Football Saturday, as always, as well, between three and five. David Myler will join Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward as you bring you all the latest discussion and score updates. We'll also hear a tribute to the late Tipperary hurler Dylan Quirk with two of his former teammates on today's show. 53106 number for your text if you want to share your opinions with us when it comes to sport or any questions as well for our guests during the show you can also tweet us at Off The Ball and don't forget folks you can get all of our content interviews, videos, podcasts, breaking news and plenty more on the OTB Sports app download that now for free in the App Store or in the Play Store. Let's start the programme as always this time of the week with the news round. We're joined by Monaghan's finest, Shane Hannan, and Offaly's finest, Willow Callahan. How are we doing, lads? Afternoon, John. How are things? All right, lads. Ever been to Australia or New Zealand, lads? Oh, it's on the list. Been to Australia. I haven't been to New Zealand yet. I kind of have this feeling that Ireland are going to be drawn into a group that's in New Zealand, given that everyone has been talking about the fact we're going to Australia. And <laughs> there seems to be this belief that Ireland will be playing the games themselves on Bondi Beach at the World Cup next year. Maybe the um, fans will. You know, there are other venues available and I just think when you hear everyone saying Australia, it'd be just our luck if we end up getting You're right there because it's split. You've got one or the other yeah. in the group stage. Mm. So, look, again, I, I presume given the Irish diaspora in both New Zealand and Australia, the games will be very well attended for Ireland's group stage one way or another. But I think probably for those who are looking to travel across, it perhaps would be more of a party if it ended up being Sydney or Melbourne, realistically. So I think that's what everyone's hoping for from the draw. So where have you been in Australia? I've been to Sydney and then kind of a few areas a bit further up from there where I went to a wedding as well. As well. So I've never been to Melbourne, which is somewhere that I really do want to go. Some friends live there, say it's like a fantastic European style city right. and a fantastic sporting city and a kind of a melting pot for sport within Australia. Um, while Sydney has a kind of a, an American city feel about it, I would say, compared to going five or six hours into the outback where we went for the wedding. So, um, yeah, like, again, beautiful, beautiful country to travel around, but I only got to do it over the course of about a week, so there was a lot of driving around. I would like to go back at some point for a longer period, go up to Brisbane, you have a look at the rest of the country as well. Maybe the Olympics, will. maybe the Olympics. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to be the home team, basically, if, it is, if it's Australia. Oh, we, plenty of Irish in New Zealand as well, and a beautiful country. Lord of the Rings kind of made me want to visit New Zealand at some point. Um, but... Yeah, Louise Quinn was kind of making the point during the week that we're definitely going to be probably the third most supported team after the two hosts, given the expats over there, given the amount of Irish that'll probably make excuses. I was actually chatting to someone in Dublin last night and they were basically saying that they're heading to Australia next summer and their plan was to, to head to Australia for, for a year or two uh, and they were to fly over at the middle of August but because of the qualification they've brought that forward by by five weeks to make sure that they get to, to Melbourne and, and Sydney whatever for the World Cup. It's going to be a bit chilly mid, mid-winter as well. Bear in mind that this is a winter yeah. tournament as opposed to a summer tournament. So this kind of fantastical idea in people's brains that they'll be having a barbecue on the beach won't necessarily be the case, particularly for in New Zealand. Dark anyone, early as well. Yeah, like if anyone watches the Tri-Nations, you'll see the people wrap yeah. up warm going to games in New Zealand. So, yeah. Well, also, the, I was reading that they're looking to get the games late, obviously, for the European and American audience and America are the champions. So mm-hmm. um, it might be a reasonable hour for us to get up in the morning. Yeah. 
I look, when it comes to group stage, all I hope that it's uh, or stay up late at night. Yeah, a decent group there. We don't live your, our, all our lives like you, Shane. No, no, no. I'm going to be the, the party animal during the World Cup next year and kind of go on the night out and then stay up for the match and Just fall into the chair and not fall. Yeah, <laughs> well, I forgot about that. Sorry. Mm. Only the weekend games, of course. Yes, uh, I'll be mature for the rest of the week. But Are we going to start the news round? Yeah. Do you know what? I figured we'd, we'd start with some comments from uh, from your Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp, the course playing Manchester City in uh, in a big game tomorrow afternoon at, at uh, Anfield, half past four, live game on the commentary here on uh, Off The Ball as well on the OTB Sports app but uh, Klopp was talking in the press conference uh, in the last couple of days and he referenced Manchester City and how it's uh, becoming quite difficult to catch them he also talked about Newcastle so uh, have a listen to these very interesting comments from the Liverpool boss but Nobody can compete with City in that you have the best team in the world and you put in the best striker on the market no, no matter what it costs no matter what it costs, you just do it. I know, City, they will not like it. Nobody will like it. You ask a question, but you know the answer. But, but what does Liverpool mean? We cannot act like them. It's not possible. Not possible. There, there are three clubs in world football who can do what they want. Financially. It's, I don't, it's illegal and everything fine, but they can do what they want. Put in, And they will say, yeah, but, we have the, but it's exactly the fact. We have to look at, we need here, we need that, and we need that. And then we have to look here and make it younger. And here, um, a prospect, and here, a talent. That's what you have to do. And, 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 and you compete with them. It's not, not a problem at all for me. It's like it is, but it's, you don't ask me that question. Because we always open this discussion, and in the end, it's me telling you. But you all know it. You should know. It's not possible. To deal with that, and it will be like this. I heard now the Newcastle, whatever is there, said uh, there's no ceiling for this club. Yeah, right. He did you. He's right. <laughs> He's absolutely right. There's no ceiling for Newcastle. Congratulations. Some other clubs have ceilings. There's almost like a movie theme tune behind that at one stage as well. <laughs> yeah, and uh, epic comments from from club. Well, the Honest. interesting thing I was thinking about this on the way into the show, and none of the three clubs he's referring to have won the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. But um, I think when he references Newcastle particularly, it kind of gets your, your brain juices flowing. But well, they do have financial fair play restrictions at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, he's got a point. They have, they have literally no ceiling. If you've got the, the Saudi fund well, He's a frustrated you. man because yeah. Benway yeah. are not maybe spending as much as... Like they talk about Nunez and, and Haaland and the transfer fees, but the wages... Irrelevant. The wages. Absolutely yeah. irrelevant as a comparison goes. Yeah, like, yeah. This yeah. Has been because of the wages. The most frustrating thing probably over the last 12 hours or so since these comments first appeared on the you know back pages for tomorrow, because I think this happened towards the end of the press conference, is that the automatic reaction is Nuna is cost 100 million, Haaland cost 65, not taking into account that Haaland earns 1 million pounds a week, not taking into account the fact that the best part of 80 million ends up being paid to his agent and to his dad as part of the deal as well. The realistic cost over the course of the contract for Erling Haaland is going to be a lot closer to 300 million than 60 million. But yes, fans, because of the sheer tribalism of all this and because they want to make out that Jurgen Klopp is some kind of moaner who's only complaining because Man City are winning the Premier League this season, is that they won't accept the fact that football is fundamentally broken at the moment when Mbappe and Haaland are receiving this type of money, which is going to have a knock-on effect for all of the top players across Europe. Basically, football has been pretty much broken from a transfer fee and a wage point of view since Neymar's 220 million move. That was a very clear line in the sand. And in many ways, Liverpool winning that Premier League title and maybe a large part of them getting to two Champions League trophies were actually indirectly brought on by the Neymar transfer 
because there was an inflated fee even paid for Philippe Coutinho, which then helped to fund Virgil van Dijk and Alisson, who are two of the signings that are now being used against Jurgen Klopp by those who are basically rival fans who are trying to say, this is just Klopp having a moan. Klopp is 100% correct about this. And I think Jurgen Klopp is generally a character who cares about the wider picture of football more so than what's happening right now. Sure, he's putting some pressure back onto the Femme group, who did not provide him with a midfielder. And in the end, they had to get Artur Mello on loan very, very late in the window and it was not enough for their midfield, which has come back to bite them on the pitch this season. But Klopp's wider point is one that I find very difficult for football fans to disagree with, but football fans are disagreeing with each other because of the tribalism of the clubs that they support. And as well, like when it comes to um, you know, what's going to happen further down the line, you said that these teams have not won a Champions League. It is surely a case of if not when, particularly with PSG and Manchester City, whose uh, programmes are a bit more advanced than Newcastle United right now, that they will actually win a Champions League. And the other side to it is, and I don't have anything against Man City fans or Newcastle fans, but look at how heavily they've criticised the media and criticised Jurgen Klopp over the last 24 hours for his comments. And when you realise that actually... Are we accepting now that the only way to catch the elite or to be successful is to be over, is to be taken over by a regime and the possibility of your club becoming, you know, effectively a, a vehicle for mm. sports washing? Is that the only way it can be successful? That is a really grim way of looking at football if that's the only way forward from here. Well, I still think clubs like Man United, Barcelona, Real Madrid will find the money in some way. Yeah, the established elite, who established again, elite. to a large extent, are protected by the wider sense of financial fair play, whereby they already had the revenue streams in place so that you know they're not going to face the punishments because they're already but in It's ATM hard to know, as well as they're playing where the ceiling is for Arsenal, they're probably at it right now. Yeah, but like, will Arsenal ever so that's, be able so to my point, That's my point. So Arsenal, can, you, can we see Arsenal win the Champions League in the next five years? No, no, I hope. no or the Premier League. Like, despite their good start to the season, you can't see them doing it. And even if they do, like, people use the Leicester example. Where are Leicester now? Bottom of the Premier League. Like, they've reduced, they've gone back to where they were before. Is it turning you off football? It doesn't turn you off football because football is still fun. And, like, we're all hypocrites. We'll sit down. Like, I watched the Champions League game this week between Barcelona and Inter Milan where there was huge stakes on it. And the Champions League, you can't help but be excited by yeah. the romance of that. And when the knockout stages come around and these big clubs that we're talking about play each other, it's exciting as a football fan to watch it. But football in a general sense, like it's clearly not in a good place whereby these teams and wage bills are going to determine everything that's won. And you can argue that is the same since football was codified, but it is very different to a brewery which had more money back in 1870 compared to investment funds which are you know, potentially an entire state putting money in for basically the purpose of prestige to take over a football club in England or in Paris or wherever else. You can nearly count the number of well-run clubs in the Premier League on one hand. Tottenham are well-run. They're well-run. Yeah, like there's, there's they don't win anything. But well-run probably won't be enough, though, Shane. That's no. the thing. Like you could be well-run, and you could spend the money that you generate, and you could bring in huge money and build a new stadium like Spurs have done. Yeah, you're not going to have the money that Man City. Sorry, and, and when I say well-run, I'm not including City or Newcastle or the, the sports-washed clubs in that. Um, like at the, you look at Manchester United as well, and you have the Glazers. Who, well, well, Man United have not been well-run. No, I mean, but they, 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 every so often you can say invest. probably have been well-run. Yeah, they have. To be fair, but they're at a stage now where they need to renew a degree. But if you if you have owners at clubs like the Glazers who, who pay themselves huge annual dividends every year, it's just you, that's not a well-run club. I mean that 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 that's not people involved. I think if the World Cup was anywhere else but Qatar, if it was in a normal place, I think we'd be so buzzed by the World Cup as a relief from this. But yeah, the fact that it is is just reminding of us of the problems in the game I'm happy to admit I'm a hypocrite I'll still enjoy the World Cup yeah, yeah. like I hate we all a lot are. of the circumstances around it but I guarantee you when those matches start I will be glued to probably as many games as you I and many others yeah. yeah and yeah. I have no problem putting my hands up and admitting that 
it's it's okay to enjoy it, I think, but it, it, it does leave a little nasty taste in your mouth as well because you're like, I mean, the people that died building these stadiums. 6,000 of them. I mean, it, it's horrendous. It's all for our entertainment purposes, and we are included in that. Do you know, we, we will be sitting down and watching in most games. Do you know, there are four games some of the days as well, and like, I'll be glued to most of them. Um, uh, it is possible to have parallel conversations as well, Shane. Like, as one of the things where Jerry Crowell, you know, playing down the numbers last week after yeah. his trip that he had had to Qatar, it's okay to look into that and be, you know, very skeptical about some of the propaganda that's coming out and that will continue to come out during the World Cup. Yeah. Because, like, ultimately, when a nation hosts a World Cup, it's about putting on the best front that you possibly can. But it's okay, and I think a lot of journalists will be investigating the circumstances around the World Cup as much as reporting on the fantastic goals that are scored by Neymar and whoever else at the actual tournament. Yeah. But um, history, yeah. history won't look on it kindly. Like I'm almost reminded of the Berlin Olympics in 1936, and you're thinking, it's an attempt. At well, there have been Argentina in 1978 was held in a military dictatorship yeah. when people were being dumped out of planes. I mean, this is the thing. and, and like So there have been past incidences, and, and this is the thing, we, we move on to USA, Mexico and Canada in 2026, we'll all forget about it. <laughs> That's the way the human mind works, isn't it? Yeah, sadly. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Klopp has started another conversation, and uh, I agree with Will. I think there there is like when I saw the amount of people engaging with the the video online, I was thinking, oh, here we go. People are going to be giving out about his comments, and he's just jealous he is cutting a frustrated figure, though. You can tell. Yeah. In every single press conference at the moment. Yeah, and look, things are going wrong for him as well. When you see Luis Diaz's injury, what about tomorrow's game anyway? How many goals is Haaland going to score? <laughs> That's the thing. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was chatting to a Liverpool fan last night, and. and not confident whatsoever, almost fearing that it could be a 3 or 4 nil to City. I, I don't know if it will be that bad, but I mean, well, it I could. Think, uh, well, you've Anfield behind them. Yeah, true. If, yeah. It could be more 2-1 to City, I think. I, I think think City travel looking for control as opposed to looking to put yes. goals past them. Yeah. If goal come late, present, come late, if they, like they did, was it a 4 nil or a 4-1 there a couple of seasons ago? Yeah, well, look, United, Manchester United beat Liverpool and, and looked fairly decent against them. Liverpool didn't look great and City thrashed United. I'm not saying there's going to be a pattern there, but I mean, I'd be concerned if I was Jurgen Klopp. And that's probably why he cuts the frustrated figure in the press conference, because he's he's reached a point now where he's accepted, and everyone's accepted that City are going to win the league, and it's the 15th of October. You know, May is a long, long way away, and yet we all know who's going to oh, win Oh, to be chasing Champions League football, to have that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. as a Spurs fan, at least you get to enjoy a, a battle, a top four battle. Well, you get to enjoy the struggle. Yeah. The struggle yeah. is the... Is the rising debt? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, as we look at Leicester and Crystal Palace about to go half time here, goalless in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, one change for Leicester: Daniel Marty coming into central defence for Johnny Evans, and Tarek Mitchell coming into the Palace team, and Michael Elise on the bench, goalless, and not many chances in the early game in the Premier League at the King Power. Leicester nil, Crystal Palace nil at half time. Yep. Bottom side: Leicester can take themselves out of the Premier League's relegation zone if uh, they had a win over Crystal Palace in that game. It's just gone half time, as John said. Uh, Nottingham Forest and managerless Wolves are the other two teams in the bottom three. They meet at Molyneux this afternoon. A big game there at three o'clock. Steve Cooper's Forest side have conceded a goal from outside the box in each of their last six Premier League games. The Forest boss knows they need to tighten things up with his team second from bottom. There's definitely goals you're looking at, and you're thinking that's you know great technique, great strike, which shows really the the level of the of the league and and the quality in the league. But at the same time, because of that, you've got to make sure that you you manage them areas and a lot of other areas. But but that's one that's going against us. Fulham host Bournemouth at Craven Cottage at three as well, while uh, the Everton go to third place to Tottenham. That's in the late game. Tottenham boss Antonio, Antonio Conte insisting he's not thinking about winning the Premier League title. A victory at home to Everton this evening would take them to within a point of leaders' Arsenal. Conte says all he's focused on is improving his team. 
For us, uh, every game has to be a, an important chance to get points to improve the, the, the table. Our first target uh, is to try to, to do our best to improve uh, the points that we did uh, last season, and then we'll see. Half past five kickoff for that game. Phil Foden's new Manchester City contract will see him earn in excess of £200,000 a week, speaking of the money at City. The 22-year-old has put pen to paper on a five-year extension, keeping him at the Etihad Stadium until 2027. Manchester United and England forward Mason Greenwood has reportedly been arrested by police this morning after allegations that he has breached the conditions of his bail. 21-year-old Greenwood has not played for United since January after being bailed following his arrest on suspicion of rape, assault and making threats to kill. He has been arrested again this morning after allegations that he has breached those conditions of his bail by contacting the alleged victim. Senior Old Trafford sources confirmed that the club have been informed of the latest development but United will not be making any comment on the matter while the police continue with their investigation. Brentford say they strongly condemn discriminatory behaviour after Ivan Tony suffered racial abuse on social media last night. The striker posted a screen grab of a message sent to him after he scored twice in their 2-0 win over Brighton in the Premier League. Brentford say they expect strong support from police and Instagram's parent company Meta to take action. New Bohemians manager Declan Devine will hardly have been impressed by his side's outing at Richmond Park last night. They lost 3-1 away to St Pat's in the SSE Artristy Premier Division with Devine watching from the stands. Pat's stay fourth despite the win and a point behind Dundalk. Lewis McCarry's first ever professional goal helped the Lily Whites to a 2-1 win away to Finn Harps. In the first division, Athlone Town came from 2-0 down at home to champions Cork City to win 3-2. Galway stay third following a goalless draw away to Wexford and Luke Desmond scored twice as Cove Ramblers came from behind to win 5-1 at Bray Wanderers. Just three points separate the top four in the Women's National League as the title race reaches boiling point. Wexford Youths hold a one-point lead ahead of this afternoon's meeting with Sligo Rovers. Second place Shelburne are away to DLR Waves. Piedmont start the evening in third and make the trip to Cork City while fourth place Athlone are in Limerick to play at Treaty United. Today's other game sees Bohemians host Galway. Queen's Park Rangers could move to the top of the championship if only for a couple of hours if they take at least a point from their lunchtime kickoff at Luton Town although at half time it's Luton Town 1 not, uh, Queen's Park Rangers nil. Elijah Adebayo with the goal there after 18 minutes current leaders Sheffield United hope to end their three game winless run when they host Blackpool Norwich might also end the day at the summit if they travel They will travel to Watford in the late game a Yorkshire derby sees two sides with recently appointed managers clash as Rotherham take on Huddersfield one all is the latest score in that one it's first half injury time in that game West Brom who sacked boss Steve Bruce this week go to Reading Middlesbrough who's also still searching for a new manager host Blackburn Rovers Bristol City face Millwall Swansea travel to Burnley Cardiff take on Coventry Preston host Stoke and Sunderland play at Wigan Champion Celtic look to extend their lead at the top of the Scottish Premiership this afternoon. A win against third place Hibs would take them five points clear of rivals Rangers. There's a big clash at the other end of the table as bottom side Ross County hosts second from bottom Dundee United. Kilmarnock hope to make it three games unbeaten when they travel to fourth place St Mirren. Livingston take on St Johnston with both teams having lost their last two. Returning Emerging Ireland players Robert Balakun and Dave McCann both start for Ulster against the Lions in the URC this lunchtime that game underway from 1 o'clock in Johannesburg and a win for the Northern Province would see them move up to second place Munster also face South African opposition this evening the Reds welcome the Bulls to Thurman Park for a 7.35pm kickoff with the hosts seeking their second victory of the campaign Leinster maintained their unbeaten start to the season on a tricky night at the sports ground last night scrum half Cormac Foley scored the game's only try after just 3 minutes with Leinster beating Connacht by 10 points to nil. A late Kieran Fr- uh, Frawley penalty made the game safe for the visitors. Meanwhile, in Swansea, Ospreys and the DH- DHL Stormers drew 16 points apiece. And Ulster now 10-3 up on the Lions in that game. Mark Balakoon with a try, John Cooney converting and also getting a penalty. Will, you were watching a bit of Connacht Leinster last night? Yeah, it was one of those nights where it was particularly wet and breezy and go, which probably didn't help despite the 4G surface. 
uh, for the game. Connacht to be desperately disappointed that they've come away from that game without even getting a single point because they had so many attacking weapons but didn't find a way to actually make it click and to get them into positions where they could even threaten for tries. I think Leo Cullen said on the TV afterwards that what impressed him most was that Leinster were able to dig in when they were only five points up and you know ensure that they were able to you know get themselves that 10-0 win. They've rotated their squad quite a bit in that game too, which is helpful. It's kind of an unusual circumstance because this would have been the first weekend of the Champions Cup in years gone by, but the URC now pushes for a few weeks longer before we get into European action. So I think Leinster are trying to taper themselves into the group stages of the European Cup this year year and that is a very helpful win for them on the road and denying Connacht the point is quite helpful as well. I would expect that Ulster will get a result in Joburg I know you've just mentioned that they've started quite well I think there's a very clear pattern now in the URC among the top four or five teams and Ulster and Leinster are within the top four potentially with a couple of the other South African teams around them so massive massive game for Munster tonight at home to the Bulls at Thoman Park and as, as Shane mentioned they've picked a fairly strong team for that game as well they desperately need a win at this stage. What else have we got? Yeah England held on to beat France at the Women's World Cup making it two wins from two in New Zealand Simon Middleton's side earned a 13-7 victory in what was regarded as their toughest match of their group to earn their 27th successive win Scotland suffered a heartbreaking defeat to Australia losing 14-12 despite leading 12-0 at half time Australia had two players sent off late in the game the USA beat Japan by 30 points to 17 Kelly Harrington is in last 16 action at the European Elite Women's Boxing Championships in Montenegro later she faces Turkey's Gizem Ozer in this evening's session Commonwealth flyweight silver medalist Carly McNall is in preliminary round action this afternoon while Commonwealth champion Michaela Walsh goes up against Amina Zidani of France for a place in the featherweight quarterfinals. To get a games and St Unions are aiming to retain their Donegal senior football title this afternoon. For the second year running, they face Neve Connell in the final. There's a 2.15pm start for that game in Ballybuffet. While Wexford GA have handed a maximum 96-week ban to St Joseph's mentor Glenn McManus for an assault on referee Michael Lanigan and an umpire. The incident occurred in a junior football match between St Joseph's and Our Ladies Island last month. St Joseph's have also been hit with a €1,000 fine. To golf and Jonathan Caldwell is in action on uh, day three of the Andalusia Masters in Spain. The leader at the moment, Adrian Otegi, the Spaniard, on 13 under. He's currently out in the course, four under for the day through six holes. So already on fire for the afternoon. He's ahead, uh, three shots ahead now of his Spanish comrade, Angel Hidalgo, who is on 10 under. He's one under through six holes. And just to bring you up to speed on Caldwell. So he's he shot a 71 on the opening day, a disappointing 77 for him yesterday. So he is six over for the tournament so a long long way off that lead held as I said by Adrian Otegi uh, other golf news as well this afternoon and Leona Maguire has uh, ground to make up on day two of the Aramco Team Series event in New York the Cavan golfer two over par after an opening round of 74 teeing off just before half past two Irish time today Belgium's Manon de Rui the leader on four under to racing there is an eight race card at Leopardstown this afternoon the first off in around 10 minutes time at 1.35pm it is Champions Day at Ascot as well four group ones uh, six race card getting underway right now at 1.25pm four o'clock is the big one to mark your card at the Champion Stakes the unbeaten Baid, the 2-9 to nine favourite. Um, we have a couple of texts here, 53106. Lads, if you genuinely feel the upcoming World Cup is built on the suffering of migrant workers and is morally bereft, unlike those workers, there's no one forcing you to sit down and watch it. And another one of our texters, Dear God, John, 1978 was one of the best World Cups ever to watch. Amazing football and atmosphere, regardless of what was happening in the country. That's not the point Says though, is deck. it? It's not really the point. I mean, we all agree that that was a great World Cup, but... It's, I guess it's it's not the point. It still took place, as you said, under a military dictatorship. So, and that that is the point that we forget that it was uh, held in those in those circumstances. So, yeah, it, it like, Qatar is going to be a great World Cup probably to watch, um, and we'll all forget about the 
the uh, myriad of issues and LGBT issues and, and women's rights and, and all of the rest of it during the World Cup. But uh, I guess that's that's the entire point of Qatar wanting to host it. Now, Shane, yourself and Adrian Barry were speaking with an inspirational man on our breakfast show, OTBAM, yesterday morning. And Damien Brown. Jesus, lads, I'm uh, talk about inspirational fellas. Um, and a tall man when he walked into the studio as well. His hands, shook his hand beforehand, blisters everywhere. Which you can imagine after rowing across the Atlantic from New York City to Galway being the first person in history to do so. Um, there would be blisters and I just don't know how he did it because his, he obviously started off as, with one of his friends, Gussie, and uh, two weeks in, Gussie had medical complaints, had to be taken off the boat. So what became, uh, essentially they were rowing 12 hours a day each and the boat, the boat was never stopped moving. But then he's left by himself. And um, Was there anybody to monitor him or...? I mean, remotely, it 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 was it was it was very. Or is this like the Brandon Voyage? It's it's essentially it's essentially that they they they, they, they can track where the boat is, but communication is intermittent. So it just sounds scary as hell. Yeah, I mean, and you're in the middle of the ocean, and you see clips of them getting under the 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 boat to kind of take barnacles and stuff off the bottom of the boat, and there's pods of of dolphins and whales around them, and you you really are in their territory. Um, I was listening to Shane on the way to work yesterday. The thing that really hit me is how difficult it must be when you're two weeks in. So there's no turning back, really, because you're in the middle of the Atlantic. Yeah. You lose your rowing partner. You realise that the idea of doing the record or potentially getting there in 50-odd days is out the window. Yeah. But still you're facing the prospect of maybe another, I suppose, what, nearly another 60 days as it worked out yeah. in the boat, having to go to Galway by yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not like you had to do any more rowing, but you still have to propel a double-man rowing vessel all the way to Galway, with the only other option being to give up, which I don't think Damien Brown was going to do. No. But he could be totally excused for being annoyed or being upset or finding that very, very difficult at that point yeah. in the journey. And like I made the point with Damien yesterday and I wanted to say it to him that like I've been following his story for quite some time, the Deep Roots podcast on, on this particular journey, but he's trying to climb the seven summits as well and he's done six of them. He tried Everest a couple of years ago. COVID got in the way. There was a COVID outbreak at base camp so we couldn't complete it. That's on his uh, to-do list. He actually made me want to do Kilimanjaro. I remember watching videos of him doing Kilimanjaro and Aconcagua in South America and I literally booked it on that basis. Um, so yeah, and then inspirational man but the full the full videos on YouTube you get the podcast as well in the usual places but uh, this is just a clip of uh, myself and uh, Adrian chatting to Damien Brown in yesterday's OTB AM There is that we, we mentioned Castaway earlier and uh, I've professed my love for, for Castaway as a movie right. uh, plenty of times in the show but uh, and there were physical resemblances as well with the beard with right. the Tom Hanks um, but there is something on that in the inanimate, inanimate objects and even listening to the podcast I think there was, wasn't there one episode not to compare it to Wilson the volleyball drifting off into the distance with a spoon went overboard mm. I was thinking to myself I was like Jesus is a disaster the spoon's gone <laughs> like, it's just a spoon at the end of the day but yeah. people got so invested and, and, and involved in your experience that little moments like that just became huge things yeah yeah it was like uh, kind of from start to finish it was like the boat was been stripped of things you know <laughs> through capsizes and just through the challenges and the conditions we were going through um, thankfully there was always some sort of solution you know you bring you try and at least um, foresee what can happen and bring like spares and spares and spares but that spoon was like the fourth spoon uh, we we as a group had lost I think Gussie had uh, something that happened a couple of Gussies but it was a very um, I, that meant you know like I had to start drinking the food you know so I had to just uh, which had its challenges as well because then I had to make a little bit more water which means I have to have more power but at that last six, seven weeks it was like nearly total cloud cover so I wasn't getting much power from the solar uh, through the sun, you know uh, so my battery started to diminish so much so that like kind of getting into Goa Bay I was on like 20% battery power which, 
you know, is is, is uh, very concerning, you know, because they can just pee, they can just discharge, and then I don't I can't make water, don't have any comms, don't have GPS. So like, there's all sorts of things that you kind of have to be aware of and trying to manage, you know. So a little spoon like that can have a grand effect on the bigger thing, you know. Yeah. Damien Brown there. Check out the interview on the YouTube channel with uh, Shane and Adrian Barry on our network. Shane, thanks for the moment and Will, uh, as always, for joining us on the News Round. Remember, folks, as you're binging on sport this weekend to pick out your best performance of the weekend, whether it's a player, manager, even the ref, tune into ODP's Instagram page tomorrow evening, Sunday. Leave your selection in the comments under our performance rankings post. If your selection matches our top pick live on Monday's OTBAM, you're in with the chance then of winning a Gillette ProGlide Razor Skin Guard Shaving Gel and ProGlide Refill Blades Pack. That is the Gillette Labs performance rankings for an effortless finish to your day. 